Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. I'm excited about next Sunday. Uh, We're going to kick off a brand new series that just really just talks about what we are, what we need to be as a church, our, our, what our core beliefs are, core values. Uh, not necessarily what we should be doing, even though there's, it's going to maybe sound like that. Uh, but, but more or less, who should we be? What should we be um, as Jesus followers? And so I'm excited about uh, start kicking off um, that, that sermon series. And it's going to be a long one. Just, just, just to give you a heads up, it's going to be uh, maybe 10 weeks long. I know, yeah, that's daunting, I know. But it's going to be, it's going to be powerful, and it's, it is so important. It's so important to, to know what we are um, as a church, as Jesus followers, um, but also what we embrace um, here at Market Street Church uh, as we continue to, to move forward and, and be on mission. Um, and so, but, but this morning, I'm, I want to just wrap up this, this series um, that we just called He is Greater Than Me. And that, that's really just meant for you to say that to yourself. He is greater than me. And it's so good. It's a great place to own that, to start there in your life, to look yourself in the mirror and say, He, He, Jesus, is greater than me. Because I want to, and I hope you do too, live for something more uh, than what than what we think we, we we live for, and so that's really the goal. We want you to live for, for more, and so we've been looking at really just one verse uh, in, in uh, Luke. It t- tells us this verse that says um, in Luke uh, two fifty two. I just want to throw it up there for us. It says, "And Jesus kept increasing. Jesus kept increasing." So this is just a verse that Luke gives us to sort of fill in the gap, a big gap uh, between when Jesus was the age of twelve. In the age of 30, between the age of 12 and the age of 30, and if my math is correct, 18 years. I, I'm just, this is, I just, I just took classes. So um, this is the gap that Jesus had. So it says that he increased. So what did he do? He, well, he increased in wisdom, in, in wisdom. And man, we, we need Jesus in, in, to increase wisdom in us, right? We need Jesus to increase wisdom in us. And it says in stature. What does that? It means that Jesus was, was a physical being. He's a physical person who understood what what we deal with uh, when it comes to us being physical beings. Like, he, he gets it, and that's good news for us. Like, we have a, a God who is able to sympathize with, with our, our physicality and, and the physical struggles and, and things that we deal with uh, in, this, in this life. And so he just kept increasing in, in that. And then it says, in favor with God, and we looked at that last week. What does that look like? What does that mean uh, to, have, to have favor with God? And it's not exactly... Uh, what you would think it would mean, right? It's not exactly. And there was people, we looked at two case studies in the scripture, Mary and Moses, who both had their struggles, both had their issues, both had their things that, um, man, that God gave to them, a plan that God laid out for them. And it didn't sound favorable, even though God told them that they can, they are favored. They are favored. It didn't sound favorable, but God told them that they're Favored, and so um, we, and that word favor is the same word that we get uh, from the word grace. Word favor and grace uh, come from the same uh, word, the same Greek word, and so we looked at that. So today we're going to look at what does it mean? What does it mean to have favor 
with people. What, what does that mean to have favor with people? Well, to understand why that's important to have favor with people, all people, is because it, you got to remember that if you're a Jesus follower, you and I are on mission. You or I are on mission. When you say, what does that mean? What do you mean that I'm on mission? You or I are on mission, the same mission that Jesus was on, and that mission is simple. That Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost, right? That was Jesus's mission. He says, I, the reason I'm here, you know, I've not, he, I've, I've not come here to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus said he came. I didn't come here to condemn the world. I came here to show who God is. I came here to let everybody know that there is a way out. And Jesus said, I am that way out. I am that way out. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father unless it's through me. Jesus said, that's why I exist. So when you and I say we're on mission, that's our mission. That's our mission. Our mission is in this life is for that purpose. It's not to, you know, find a great job and make a lot of money and own a big house and see how many cars you can have and, you know, accumulate all this stuff and, and be viewed by, you know, your peers and your friends and your colleagues as, you know, successful. That's not really why you're here. If you're, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not a Jesus follower, I can understand why that is your ambition or why you're wanting to achieve or accomplish those things. I, I get that. But, but if you say you're a Jesus follower, you're here because you're on mission. You put your faith in Jesus and Jesus didn't go, okay, good. Now you're a child of God. Come on home. Come on home. No, he didn't do that. He, he, Jesus said, I want you to go. I want you to go, and I want you to go out to the world, the highways and the byways, and, and wherever you go, wherever you're going, on your goings. That's actually what the, Matthew 28 is saying. He says, on your goings, as you're going about life, he says, I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. Make disciples. What does that mean? He says, I want you to, I want you to as you're going, you should be helping people come to the place where they realize that they need a Savior, they need a savior. That's your mission. So on your goings, wherever it is that your goings are, I have my goings and you have your goings. So on your goings, our mission is if we're living this life right and if we're living for more on our goings, we want to make, we ought to make disciples. And so that's why Jesus increased in favor with people because he wanted people who were lost to be found. Jesus saw people in one of two categories, lost or found. Paul said it this way, there's people that are either dead in their trespasses and in their sins or they're alive in Christ Jesus. This is the way that you and I as Jesus followers need to look at people in that way. Not do they have the same point of view as you. Not do they have the same you know, outlook on life as you. Not that they have the same framework that you're working from. 
That's not how we are to categorize people. And it's easy, we, we are people who put, and we are attracted to categories, right? And, and if you were, remember in high school, or maybe you watched movies about high school, there's what, what that is called cliques, right? You, you remember this in high school? There was cliques, right? There was, there was, you have the jocks, right? You had the jocks, and then you had the tech, you know, and then you had the sort of the theater arts people, right? Are you with me? Right? And then you had like the nerds that, that we're all now working for now, right? Remember? You know, remember this? Like, I remember in my high school, this is a true story, the true story. This is high school, okay? I'm still bitter, though. Uh, this is in high school. Uh, I was supposed to be voted on homecoming court. This is a homecoming court season, right? So I was supposed to be voted on in ho- homecoming court. The day that everybody was voting for homecoming court, the band people, the marching band people, was pro- there was 50-some of them. Remember, remember teachers? There was like but just a big... 50-some band members came out of their band room, right, because they had their own room, right, where they all hung out, and they all spent time, they had, all, they had that in common. 50 band members come out of their room, and they vote for one kid, and I didn't get on homecoming court because all 50 band members came out and voted for this one kid, right? We all, we all are, are, are gravitate towards certain people, but Jesus, Jesus said, my, I gravitate mostly towards the people, not where they, whatever category or clique they fall in. Jesus says, I gravitate towards the people that are lost or are dead and need to be found. That's what Jesus would say. And that's why Jesus kept increasing in favor. You see, I've heard it said once, and I thought it was so good, that Jesus, Jesus was liked by the people that weren't like Jesus. You hear me, church? Jesus was liked by the people that weren't as much like Jesus. And the people that were like Jesus didn't like Jesus. Are you with me? The people that were like Jesus didn't really like Jesus. I wonder what that look should look like for us as well. So I, I looked at a verse that I want us to sort of springboard off of uh, this morning when it comes to favor with people. And here's what the early church, the very first church that formed after Peter preached a message, Peter preached thousands of people put their faith in Jesus because Peter was on mission Peter's only concern was, you know, not my people, not my Jewish people, but all people. That Because grace is extended to every single person. It's not just a nation, it's all nations and tribes are, are, are called to this glorious message of the good news and the hope found in Jesus. And so Peter preaches to anyone who will listen because all people can can receive that message and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so Peter preached. Thousands of people came to know Jesus all at one time. It says, as a matter of fact, it says 3,000 people at one time came to faith in Jesus. And then they started this church. The church formed. The church formed. And then it says this. 
in verse Acts 2, 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And if you read Acts 2, if you read Acts 1 and 2, you'll see that there was all sorts of different types of people there. There were all sorts of different types of people who spoke different languages. They came from different geographical locations. They had different ideologies. And they had different, were different social classes and different economic classes. They, they all were gathering together on this day that they called Pentecost. And we know that when the Holy Spirit is on that time when they were all gathered in Jerusalem on Pentecost, that and then Peter preaches and the Holy Spirit comes on people. And, and, and now they're starting to understand everybody's different languages that they're, that they're speaking. It was just an incredible thing that God was doing in that, in that moment. And then it says that they were just praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, as a pastor, this is like my goal. Like as a leader of a church, this is what my this is my prayer. Like like if if this is if this was a verse that like that I would go like, yeah, this is what I would think is success in church and the church is getting it done and, and God is making it happen. Like this is it. That people are just praising God and, and they're having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number every single day those who are being saved. Those who are being saved. Why? Because they were a church on mission. They were a church that said, listen, I don't see people, I only see people in one or two ways. I either see them that they're found or they're lost. They're found or they're lost. They're found or they're lost. And if they're already found, they're already good. Like, the relationship is important. We're going to get to that in a second. But listen, I, my goal is I want people to be from the outside and be brought in on the inside of the things and the purposes of God. And they were doing that every single day. They were doing that. They were having favor with all the people. And because of that, God was blessing them and adding to their number. Every single day, people were getting saved. Now, how, how can we get there? What, how do we strive to get there? And, and, you know, maybe this is the be intro to the next 10-week sermon series. So how do we get there? Like, it, it, like I, my prayer is, and, and maybe I'm too ambitious, but I like I, my prayer is like that this is something that we are a part of. That we are, that we are seen, you know, that every single day, every single day, somebody is getting saved. Every single day, somebody is moving out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Every single day, somebody's getting pulled out of hell, pulled out of eternal separation from God and being moved into eternity where Jesus is. Like, don't, you, don't we want that? I mean, this is the goal for that. And so how do we get there? What is, what is so necessary for us to, to get to this place? How do we do that? Well, let's look at what they did. Let's look at what they did. Go back a few verses. Verse 44. Uh, next slide. Thank you. Here's what they did. All the believers 
were, say it with me, together. All the believers were what? Together and had all things in common. Like, how, how do we get to the place where we see every single day somebody getting saved? Or they have favor with people. And it, and it began for them with all the believers. They were together and had all things in common. You know what? You know where we, where we need to start? Here's where we need to start. We need to start with community. With community. With community. stuck on you, Kathy? There it is. Okay. With community. It's okay. We, that's where we need to start. Like, we need to, like, think in, the, in, in, these, in these terms. Because here's, the, here's what we've been called to. We, and, and again, again, we are, we are geared and we are made for community. Are you with me? We're, we're made for that. Like, we can't help but form community. Because that's what happens. Jocks, they form community. You know, theater arts people, they form community. Band, they form community. Right? Even like, like you know, people that are anti-establishment still form community. Like they're anti-establishment, but they come together for their anti-establishment. Like, we, we, we are people that do that. We form these communities. That's because, why? Because we have a community kind of God, right? We believe in a triune God. We believe that this God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they are three in one. God is a community. So God in his image has marked us to desire and to need for community. And no one, listen, this is a bold statement, but I hope you believe it. No one should out community the church. No one. Because of our mission. Because of what our purposes are. Because of what we know is true and real. No one should out community the church. And we are made for community. That's the way that we're made. And the beauty about this community, community of faith, community of Jesus followers, is it transcends all others. It transcends all gender race, you know, um, ethnicity, it transcends any social, you know, status, economic status, ideologies. It transcends all of those things. Why? Because it puts us in a category that no other faith can put us in. It puts us in a category that we are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that union is far transcends, far exceeds anything else. And they had all things in common. What that means is this. They, even though they were so distinctly different, 
They were so different in their ideologies and their race and their language and their tribes. But yet they says they had all things in common. Why was that? Because they knew that they were sons and daughters of the most high God. And that transcended any other similarities. And that transcends any other differences. You may not like this or not, but we're family. We're brothers and sisters. I'm your weird brother. (laughs) And you got to deal with me and you got to and you love me and I and 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 you're my weird sis. (laughs) But I love you. And, and here, you may not, you may not, you send me an email, I don't care, I'm not ashamed of this. I have more things in common with an Iranian national who bent the knee to Jesus than I do with any red-blooded American who has turned their back on God. I have more in common. You know why? Because that Iranian or that Iraqi or that person from Afghanistan, I'm going to be spending eternity with him or her. And the red-blooded American waving his American flag that didn't bend the knee to Jesus, they're not my brother, and they're not my sister. So despite the differences, despite the differences, That's my brother and sister, and we're part of a family. And Jesus called us to community, and a big part of community is unity. Is unity. That's the big part of community. Think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. (laughs) Jesus asked, invited, as part of his twelve. A guy by the name of Simon, and Simon was, he gives us what he was, or who he identified with, that he, he invited a guy named Simon the Zealot, the Zealot. And then, and then, he, so he's got Simon the Zealot, and then he invites Matthew the tax collector. Now, if you know your scripture, if you know your, 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 your history, you'll know that these two guys were on polar opposite sides of, of ideology and belief. As, I, mean, I mean, Matthew sold his soul to the Romans. He was a Jewish man, but sold his soul to the Roman government. And Simon said, man, Simon said, I don't know, that's game. And... Simon's like, I'm a zealot. In other words, they formed a sect of people who were trying to do and be willing. This is, this is the tension. They were willing to kill anyone. They were willing to kill anyone who did sell themselves to the Roman government, who associated at any degree with Rome. That's what zealots were. And they were on these opposite sides of things. Can you imagine the tension? I guarantee Matthew slept with one eye open for like the first few months. 
But you know what brought them together? Jesus. And Jesus said, in spite of their ideals, in spite of their differences, in spite of their outlooks on life, they're new creatures in me. And they form now a community of unity where the zealot and the tax collector can come together and be brothers. And be brothers. That's the power of the gospel. Where two people on opposite ends of views can come into community and have unity. Have unity. So I said this. I said, I think I kind of already said it. The first church was distinct, but set aside their differences for the delight of community. Jesus said it this way. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. This was one of the last things he prayed while he was on earth. And here's what he prays in John 17. He says this, that they may all be one that they may all be one just as you father and i are in me and i in you that they also may be in us why because god is a community god right he's talking about us he's saying the father the son the holy spirit we, and Jesus is saying, Father, you know, I pray that they're all one, just as I am one in you and you are one in me, that they also may be in us. We're, we're in this beautiful, C.S. Lewis called it this, this beautiful dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then, and then the people of God it mixed in this beautiful dance of, of love and encouragement and building one another up and, 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 and praying for one another and, and, and doing whatever we can for each other. And, and this is just this beautiful mix of God working in us for us to have unity. For what purpose, Jesus would say this purpose, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The world needs to see that the people of God can come together, not just in community, but in unit unity with one another. That's what made a massive impact on the first church. People were watching from all different tribes, nations, tongues, social classes, gender, you name it. All the differences that you can think of. They were all coming together and forming this one community under the banner of one name named Jesus. Who said, I've come here to seek and to save those who are lost. There are those who are far from God that need to know God. There are those who are stuck in darkness that need to be brought to the light there are those who are being eternally separated from God and God says I love the world that I don't want anyone to be separated from me I don't want anybody not to know me because the greatest thing that they can do in their life is make a decision to follow me because I want them to live for something more that's the mission of us all but in that for that to happen for the world they need to see, they need to see that we are 
one and not divided. Not divided. They um, did a few things that I think are important for all of us. Um, Verse 46 in Acts 2. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. Day by day. Can you imagine? I mean, so this is why they had to do that because they're now, they went from like 120 people in an upper room to now three thousands of people now are Jesus followers. And they didn't have enough space to hold those people. They, they ran out of room. And so they were like, well, we, we normally go to the temple. Let's go to the temple. Like, let's go and hang out. Let's go there. So you know what they did? Every single day, they went to church. And they would never say that. As a matter of fact, if you talked to an early Christian and you said, hey, I'm going to church, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Going to church? Going to church? Yeah, we're going to church. Like 10 a.m., you know, Market Street. Like, what? No, no. They'd be like, no, we are the church. Like, church isn't a place. Church is a people. It's what we are. It's not where we go. They wouldn't, they wouldn't even understand, but they, but they knew that they, were, they, they needed a, some sort of place to hold all of the people so that they could have church. Like, this doesn't make this church because you're sitting in a room in a seat on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. What makes this church is because followers of Jesus have come together into one place and are meant to love each other and encourage each other and support each other and build one another up and pray for each other. That's, what's the, that, that's the church. That's the church. So that every single day they went with one mind, one mind, into the temple. And this is sort of what's happened in church world over the years. It's sort of the, a regression that, that's, that's happened. A regression. First thing is they started out, right? They started out going like, so the regression, day by day, a reality. It was a day by day reality. They, they, they did it every, every single day. Every single day. And then what, what, it, what it sort of became over time is a week by week routine. A week by week routine. Remember like the days where it's just, you just went to church? Like it was Sunday, you went to church. That's just because that's what you do on Sunday. It was a week by week routine. Now, here's, here's, these are just some of the trends because this is what I do and, and this is what I look at and this is my job and you have your job and you look at different things and I look at different things because it's my job. Here's, what, here's what, I, what I see, and this is not just happening here at Market Street Church, but it's happening, but it's also happening in all churches, okay? It be, it's becoming a month-by-month requirement. A month-by-month requirement. We're like, oh, maybe we'll go, you know, a couple once, tw- twice. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not ju- I know, things are busy, we got sports, like, like half my family's not here because my daughter's in a soccer tournament. So I'm not here to judge you. But I'm just, I'm just here to say like, this is somewhere, sometimes where the church has sort of regressed to. It's just like, uh, it hasn't, no, it's not so much not of a routine anymore. And, and even, to be honest with you, the pandemic has really accelerated this. It's really accelerated this. And because of quarantine and in and, and that time, People have just gotten out of routine. 
And I know if you're, you're watching from home and you have legitimate concerns and, you know, you don't want to come into a place where you don't know if somebody's been vaccinated or not and they're not wearing a mask. And yeah, I, I, get, I get the concerns, but here's, <clears throat> here's where my concerns are. My concerns are is that we just have simply gotten out of routine. We've gotten out of routine. And then it just sort of felt like a requirement. Like, I ought to go to church. I ought to be with the people of God. And it becomes sort of a requirement. And what's going to happen eventually, and maybe you even know some of these people, I call them cheesters, the people that just show up on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Don't make me call you a cheester. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I would never to your face, never. I'm kidding. Here's what happens. It could be a year-by-year -year ritual, right? Isn't that what happens sometimes? We, we know these people. We know people like this. I'm not judging. It's just, you know, it's like they, Christmas, oh, we'll go to church. It's what we do. It's our ritual. Easter, that's why we have massive crowds on Christmas Eve and massive crowds on Easter Sunday. It's just, a re, it's just the way that it is, right? It's the way that it is. But really, it, it needs to be a day-by-day -day reality for all of us. Not, well, I'm not opening the doors every single day for you to come in and listen to me preach a, a message that's too long. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying a day-by-day -day reality that, we are the, that we're just being the church. We're not necessarily even going to church. We're just being the church every single day. And that we understand and we see community in this way. We see, here's here's what, the way that we need to see community. And this is the way that they saw community in the first church. That the community of faith, community of faith, look, should, should be like this. That we ought to be people that are belonging, not just going. That we're belonging. We belong to, not just go to. We belong to. There's a difference. You see, do you see the difference? You don't, don't just be somebody that just goes to church. But, but to, that belongs to a church. Like we, we, I have a family that said, we want to be members of Market Street Church. I said, that's great. I'm, I'm so pumped by that. Um, but we, I don't actually call it membership. We actually call it partnership. Partnership. Because I, membership is like something that you do at a golf course, right? You go play golf, right? You got a membership there. No, no, no. The church was meant to be a place where you belong. You and your family, you belong there. You're part, you belong to the mission, the mission of loving people and helping people grow in a relationship with Jesus. It's meant to be deep communion, not shallow connection. Deep communion, not shallow connection. It's about, it's about being known, not knowing. You understand what I'm saying when I'm saying that? It's about being known, not just knowing. So, so American church, Western church, is, is so good at just knowing things, right? For, for example, for example, you can go on any social media you know, site or whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is that you're on, a part of. Let's say Facebook for a second, for, for, for just example. You can go on Facebook and you can scroll through people that you're friends with and you can know things about them, right? You can know things. But then there's certain people 
on your Facebook list of friends that you don't just know things about them because that's easy to, to look for. You can go on anybody's page and you can, oh, they have a dog. Oh, they're married. They've got kids, right? You've all Facebook stalked somebody before. Don't it? Just admit. You, 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 you can do that. You can, you can find out. You can know things about somebody, but you don't really know them. You, you with me? Like you can see like, and, and this, is, this is like, this is why in, in when we scroll through our social media pages, there's a, there's a deep down in your soul, there's, a, there's an agitation that you feel. There's, a, uh, there's a, something that just is like, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of different psychological meaning behind it, but really the depth of that, the root of that, is, is that God says, listen, I don't want you to just know some things about someone. I want you to, I want you to be known. To really be known. And this is, the, this is the beauty of community of faith, right? That we can, we can be known without being judged. We can be known. Like, like we can say, ah, I'm, like, I'm struggling with this. I, I need your help. I need your prayer. I need your encouragement. This is what the community of faith was meant to be. This is what it was meant to look like. You, we, we're so good at knowing. Like you can, you can show up and you can know all your Bible verses, right? You can know all your scripture verses. And, there, and, there's, and that's good. And I'm glad you know all the verses. But have you really just let somebody just know you? Are you allowing yourself to be known? You can know stats of your favorite athlete. You can know the things that your favorite celebrity does or your favorite podcaster or blogger or, you know, uh, you know, you know, chef or whatever it is that you like. You can know things about people, but do you really know them? And people may know you, but are you really being known. And guys are like, hate this because that requires you to be a little vulnerable. We hate this as guys. Like when anything starts, things start to feel squishy and you're like, you like push back and you like want to make a joke because it feels uncomfortable. But the church, being the church, and community of the church, it's, it's got to be more than just knowing. It's got to be more than shallow connection. And it's got to be more than just going. But belonging and having deep communion and being vulnerable enough to be known. To be known. If somebody's judging you or whatever, that's on them. They're going to be, they're going to have to deal with God. But if you can, and I can say, listen, I'm struggling. I've got issues. I'm dealing with things. I'm like, that's so freeing. And it's so helpful to have a community of people that come together and support you and encourage you and believe in you. And hope for the best and edify you and say, I'm going to walk with you through this. 
That's a community of faith that I want us to strive for. And that's the kind of community of faith that the world will look at and go, they're not just going, they're belonging. They're not just shallow connections, they're deep communion. They're not just knowing things. Those people are okay with being known. And they're not going to get canceled for it. Nobody should out-community the church. And it's what Jesus said. I pray, my prayer, is that they're one. So that the world may know that you sent me. I'm going to end here. And I'm going to delay the start of next sermon, week's series, (laughs) because I have way too much more content to go. And we're going to pick this up next Sunday, okay? That's what we're going to do. All right, let's pray. Father, um, what transcends differences is that we are a part of your family. We are one as your sons and as your daughters. And I just pray, God, that we'll begin to think about the fact that we all are drawn to some sort of, some type of community And I just pray, Lord, that we know that in the community of faith and in the community of being Jesus followers, that we don't just have to know we can be known. We don't don't just have to have this shallow connection, but this deep communion with one another. And God, that we're not just going to church, but we're just, we're belonging. We're belonging to a people of God. And that was what was so attractive as your church began and exploded. That people were looking at that from the outside and going, I want to be a part of that. I want to know what that looks like in my life. And as a result, every single day, every single day, people were coming to faith in your son Jesus. God, I just pray that we consider the that we are asked to live for more and for allow you to increase our favor with others in our life so that they can experience the kind of community that we're called to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.